You are listening to the Embassy Church Podcast, and here is today's message. I have the wonderful opportunity to welcome somebody today, Um, somebody that has been in our church for a very long time and is near and dear to many of us, Um, but I want to honor him today because um, he's a man of incredible integrity. And he has been an incredible blessing and strength to our church. When many of you don't even know battles that we are facing, um, he has stood beside us. He has stood beside our our elders. Um, He has stood for this country. He has stood for our province and the churches in this province. And I, I was talking to... Um, Jim Randall, who is another friend of mine in Saskatoon, and, 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 and um, we were talking about lawyers, and he, he's got his own, Jim Randall's got his own lawyers in Saskatoon, and he says, but I just like to call Philip, because Philip hears from the Spirit of God, and Philip's got wisdom that I trust, and I'm so thankful for him in our body. I'm so thankful for their family. And so today, Philip's going to bring a word. So please welcome Philip Furry as he comes and brings the word this morning. We're so thankful for you, Philip. Yeah, <laughs> no standing. We only clap. <laughs> well, um, I, I look like uh, Trump or Biden trying to look youthful. <laughs> When they go up the Air Force One plane, so uh, hopefully that's the impression I, I gave. Um, I'm very thankful to be here this morning, and I'm so honored to be part of this church. There's such wonderful people here, um, and uh, I truly feel welcome, and I hope you all do too this morning. I uh, specifically also want to um, welcome a special person this morning that's here, and uh, Wendy and Kelvin is my legal assistant at the office. (laughs) And uh, just a a quick story, well, maybe I'll tell more than one story with your permission, Wendy. Um, Wendy, uh, some of you may know, years ago, this was the early 2000s, I was actually a preacher in a church in which no longer exists, Scarborough Baptist now. Baptist, this church. (laughs) Uh, And for about two, three years, and uh, God led me to this particular church at the time, and the pastor gave me his full um, grace and said, you know, Philip, I feel that you do need to move, and uh, it's God's purpose that... Um, but just promise me you're going to, from time to time, stall preach. And I did, uh, maybe a few times, you may remember, years ago. But then for many years, I, um, you know, I didn't volunteer myself. I, you know, I was busy with all kinds of things, and I just thought, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know. And so Wendy came to me, not, I don't, this must be a year or two ago, Wendy, that said, Philip, you need to go back and tell um, Megan that you are available, should she feel in her heart that you may want to talk. And I said, I don't know, Wendy. Um, So I just kind of brushed it, and she kept on bugging me. Uh, And she said, Philip, you need to go to Megan. And so I I don't know if uh, a few months ago I went to Megan and said, you know, Wendy told me uh, to come to you. <laughs> so I literally said to you, you know, Wendy told me to come to you, and uh, I'm not really in the mood, but if you feel <laughs> So uh, here I am, and uh, I also want to kind of honor them today. It's their first wedding anniversary. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, w- I was honored a year ago to walk Wendy down the aisle. Um, and uh, it was truly an honor. And also, very importantly, we want to honor a new member, very small member, but a very important member, uh, Miles. Uh, and Miles is Brianne, was born just a week, a week ago. And so uh, we're very, very um, thankful that everything went well. 
with the pregnancy at the end of the day and that he's here and that he's healthy. And if we can give a hand for Miles. <laughs> um, and so as far as, you know, maybe if you would allow me just to tell a Wendy, one or two Wendy stories, because there's many, but I'll, I'll keep it short. But, and I have actually told some of the people here in the church a story uh, not too long ago uh, about what happened with Wendy. So I, uh, I have to apologize. I, I printed out my, uh, my notes this morning, and lo and behold, there's no ink. So my wife was, wife was kind enough. That's why I have such a pretty iPad to, <laughs> to give me her iPad. Um, and so I'm hoping things will go well because I've never used the iPad. And I know a few other people have mentioned that in the past. I've never, it's truly my first time also that I've used the iPad during a, a talk. Um, but Wendy... Uh, a number of years ago, and I came to tell the story to the church just after it, shortly after it happened. I don't know if you know that, Wendy, but I did tell the church about it. We were going down to Meadow Lake. I was invited by a number of tribal um, chiefs and, and uh, leaders there to come and, and do a talk uh, in, in Meadow Lake at their tribal council. And so I accepted the invitation. And when he took, came to me and she said, Philip, I feel that uh, I need to go with you. God imprinted on my heart uh, that I need to go with you. And um, that um, I also, you know, I have an encouraging message for, for, these, for these people. And uh, I also need to bring my guitar. I said, Wendy, if God said, get in the vehicle, let's go. She got her a guitar. We got in the vehicle. And I don't know, about 30 kilometers or so out of Prince Albert, um, she wanted to, she said, Philip, can you maybe stop? I need to go to the washroom. And so we stopped. And as we stopped, there's a police car behind me that pulled in and said to me, sir, your license has expired. And I thought I was, um, I had my plates and everything was in order because in fact, I, I asked not too long ago and they told me I should have double checked, but I didn't. And so I was quite upset because I, I did go to the insurer. I thought I was insured and Lo and behold, I'm not, and the guy gave me $580 ticket. And I thought, that's a lot of money. I'm very upset. So, so when he gets back in the car, and I told her what just happened, I'm all upset. She said, Philip, I feel God tells me that you need to be very thankful for this police officer pulling you over. You're going to see very shortly that this is a blessing. <laughs> so I said, Winnie, this is not a blessing. <laughs> This is $580 fine. I'm all upset, and I complain all the way to Meadow Lake. And, and all the way, she keeps on telling me the same thing. You need to see this as a blessing. So I do my talk. And oh, sorry, so what I uh, neglected to mention is that the moment, obviously, before I could drive, I had to get insured. So I had to phone the insurer. Uh, I gave them my credit card particulars, so I paid for the insurance. So now I'm insured. I go to Meadow Lake, we do the talk. On the way back, another 20, 30 kilometers out of Meadow Lake, on the way back to Prince Albert, a big elk jumps out of the woods, out of nowhere. $10,000 in damages. <laughs> I've never had an accident since, you know, with a deer before that or since, but that very moment. So if that police officer did not stop me and I didn't get insured, I had to pay that $10,000 out of my own pocket. So thank you, Wendy. <laughs> so I did turn to Wendy and said, Wendy, this is a blessing. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, so um, maybe before I go on, so one of the things I, I told Wendy as well on Friday is, Wendy, if you have any message for this church, you know, let me know and I can convey that. And so she did this morning. <laughs> I should have known she's going to give me something. Um, and so she did give me a message that uh, she feels that God has printed upon her heart for this church. So I'm going to read it to you. So she said, come here, listen to me, my children. Hey, today, hey, 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 I sent you a message today. Touch not my anointed. Hey, 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 the road is narrow. Be merciful as your father is merciful. Hey, hey, come 
Now, don't say, bring your young, trust in me, the living God. Love your neighbor, love your enemy. Hey, hey, trust in me, trust in me, trust in me. The life in me I give to you. Hey, 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 I provide for you. Call unto me, come now, trust in me. Oh, hey, hey, the wind will always blow to and fro. Where it comes from, you do not know. Believe me. Unbenowed, knee, trust in me, have a faith in me. Hey, 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 send your love to me, have a faith in me. Come now, children, trust in me. I am in the midst of thee, worship me. Come now, trust in me. The day is far spent. I am the bread, I am blessed. I am broken for you. I give myself to you. Hey, 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 come now, hey, hey, come drink of me. A stream of living water, drink of me. You will never thirst again. Fresh water is in me. Be glad I brought you up out of Egypt, for salvation is in me. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? Luke 24, verse, verse 32, I believe. I do not lie, for the spirit of truth is come. Do you now believe? I am Abba, Father. Hey, 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 follow me to eternity. Hey, hey. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Wendy, for that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting that, you know, the second Sunday in a row, a guy without hair. <laughs> <laughs> and you know I thought about Jared this morning when I you know I thought about um, I'm preaching and Jared will probably be there and I'm watching and I'm, I'm using shampoo <laughs> last Sunday the guy said that he only uses soap maybe I should just use soap <laughs> but it's a bottle my wife bought at winter some time ago and it actually <laughs> helps for hair growth <laughs> so <laughs> but in any event, um, I also want to welcome my son, Joel, who's not here physically, but he said him and his buddies, he, he drove up from Briarcrest, we were really studying, and uh, him and his buddies is watching online this morning, so welcome, son. Um, so I'm talking this morning um, about wisdom. Uh, we... Oh, thank you very much. I, I actually was just thinking that. That's a spirit-led action. Um, we, uh, the last week, in particular the youth, attended a, a conference about purpose and um, I think and I hope everybody here appreciate the fact that we do have purpose. We belong. Wherever you are, you are in that position for this time. Um, and when I thought about the Purpose Conference and, and, and Winnie in particular actually said, Philip, you need to encourage, when I said, I don't know what to talk about. She says, well, you need to bring an encouraging message. Uh, we're living in, in difficult times. And so what I'm hoping this morning that everybody here really, really appreciates is that they are appreciate, appreciated, that they are loved. Um, and uh, one of the scriptures that came to me was uh, Esther. Uh, and so if we can put up Esther 4, verse 14 onwards. Um, <clears throat> For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. 
And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time of this? And then Esther told to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf, and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And I, my young woman, will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered. So um, it's quite a long passage, but uh, many of you or um, uh, at least I hope many of you know the story of Esther. And I'll maybe just in summary, um, Esther was um, uh, a queen in, in the palace of King Ahasuerus. I think he was also called King Xerxes I. But his previous queen uh, did not do what she was supposed to, so he disposed of her. <laughs> so this was a very strict and, and, uh, and a very, um, well, how can you put it nicely? He was not a nice king. And, uh, and so he looked throughout the land, and Esther then became the queen in her place, in his previous queen's place. And um, to put it in a nutshell, there was um, a gentleman called... Well, I'm not sure he was such a gentleman. His name was called Haman. He was an important person in the kingdom of Persia. And he did not like the cousin of Esther, which was Mordecai. And Mordecai was very well known within the Jewish community, because, but they were exiled at that time in Persia. And so Haman, in particular, did not like the fact that Mordecai did not honor him. He felt very important. He felt that he needs to be honored, and Mordecai just seemed like a guy that did not think he was important, and that really irked him. So long story short, he said he convinced the king to proclaim to extinguish the Jewish nation or the Jewish people at that time. And Mordecai heard of this and then implored Esther to say, you have been put in this position for such a time of this, as this to make a difference. And, uh, and Esther stepped up. But interesting enough, and I'll come back to this later on, if we read this verse, we will see at the very end there it says that, then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Esther set aside every... Any, doesn't mean she did not fear, but she set aside that and she humbled herself and said, this is the right thing to do. Despite what may come my way, I'm going to do this because I have been put in this position for such a time as this. So my prayer this morning is that everybody here will also recognize that they have been put in the position wherever you are, at work, at home, looking after a newborn, that you've been put into that position for such a time as this, and that you would feel valued. Um, you have a very specific purpose. You are chosen, that through your actions proclaim God's excellence. Use your talents that he's given you. Don't bury it. Bring it to the light and for his glory. Um, 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says that, but you are chosen, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You may not be able to be in Israel or in Ukraine to help the needs on the ground, but you can pray for the people and the country. And very importantly, you can proclaim God's excellence through your words and your actions right where you are, at school, at work, at home. 
And you are welcome, like I said this morning. And Romans 15 verse 7 says that, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And you are loved. John 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his Son, for whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So all these things I hope you appreciate, that you are loved, that you are chosen, that you welcome. But then, after you've realized these things, there's sometimes circumstances that there's no rules. You get in your car, you're now all excited, you have a purpose, I feel welcome. You get in your F-150 and you go. No, maybe we're on a Saskatchewan road. <laughs> and you come to a fork in the road. And now you have to choose. And sometimes there's no rules. Um, and that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, is how do we know what to do? You know, uh, sometimes... Uh, you just don't know how to deal with a difficult person at work. I'm sure you've never dealt with difficult people before. But <laughs> or, you know, the neighbor that starts cutting his grass at 6 o'clock on a Saturday morning. How do you deal with that? <laughs> take, take him a cup of coffee. <laughs> um, you know, how do you decide whether you should marry somebody, not marry somebody? Uh, I have a story, but for another day about that. And I'm very happy I made the decisions I did. But there's sometimes no right, well, let me put it that there is a right and a wrong, but there's no rules. You don't know when you get to that fork in the road. What should I do? And, and so I think I'm going to look a little bit this morning at 1 Kings 3, verse 16 to 28, and to see what kind of guidance. And there's a guy that I think in the Bible that that has shown great wisdom. Who might you think that is? <laughs> Solomon. And we're going to look at what he did. Uh, 1 Kings 3, verse 16 to 28. Now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One of them said, Pardon me, my lord, this woman and I live in the same house, and I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. And during the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. So she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while I, your servant, was asleep. She put him by her breast and put her dead son in my breast. The next morning, I got up to nurse my son, and, was, and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it was, wasn't the son I had born. The other woman said, No, the living one is my son. The dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, No, the dead one is yours. The living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. The king said, This one says, My son is alive and your son is dead? Well, that one says, no, your son is dead, and mine is alive. Then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king, and then gave an order, cut the living child in two, and gave, give half to one and half to the other. And the woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son, and said to the king, please, my lord, Give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other said, Neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. And then the king gave his ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is his mother. When all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. Now, 
some Old Testament scholar, I don't have the name, said that wisdom is competence with regards to life realities. Wisdom is competence with regard to life's realities. Should I or shouldn't I ignore my wife's request to fix the door? <laughs> Clean the basement, wash the dishes. I'm talking about those decisions in life. That although there is not a particular rule, making the wrong decision will likely cause things to blow up. Why? Because you have not acted competent with regards to life's realities. Now, some of you, like me, would start appreciating the older you get, because you've learned the hard way. <laughs> if you mess up and not act wisely, things tend to blow up. And cleaning up the pieces afterwards is hard work. So, Solomon, if I'm correct, became king when, when he was about 20 years old. And I think we can learn a few things from him. I think when we look at the story, the structure of the story, it seems like the first thing we get to recognize is the fact that we do need wisdom in certain circumstances. And there's a structure to wisdom, secondly. And thirdly, there's a heart to it. There's, there's a core to it. And then we have this illustration, and the illustrations is Western, and we, we looked at the previous one about Esther's too, you have you confronted with a choice. There's no clear rules, but you have this choice. So here's two people in front of him, and there's a choice. And now we need wisdom. There's a fork in the road, like I've mentioned. Should I or shouldn't I marry? Should I buy this house? Shouldn't I buy this house? Should I move? Should I accept this new position at Meath Park? I just heard a story this morning. They would know what I'm talking about. Um, should I go to college? Should I maybe wait a year? There's all kinds of things that doesn't, you know, it's not quite clear what we should be doing. And not that many years ago, I think traditional cultures made it easy for us. Our minds was essentially made up for us. Um, you, knew, you, know, you were told by your parents and your family who you're gonna marry. Uh, and when you were in a job, that's the job you're gonna do. You're gonna take the bakery over from your father or the farm. If you wanted to become a tango dancer in Regina <laughs> and you get to Regina, they're going to send you back to prison. What are you thinking? You know, you need to take over the farm from your father. What are you doing here in Regina? You're going to be sent back. <laughs> so, um, essentially, uh, things were easy, but that's not the world we live in today. Um, we are confronted with so many choices, folks in the road on a daily basis. Um, and media, uh, social media, the environment that we live in does not necessarily help. It just adds on to those decisions uh, that we have to make on a daily basis. And so how do we do that? Um, not all decisions, like I've said, you know, will, will blow up if you make the wrong decisions, but there is some major ones. I'm thinking about the marriage one. <laughs> Um, taking a wrong job, all those things has severe implications. Um, in Solomon's time, like in today, you know, there was, there was some very um, distinct rules about how do you um, judge a particular case. Now, in this case, it, with the, the, the two, two women, they're both prostitutes, so normally, you know, I'm dealing with, with child and family services myself sometimes in my office. You would look to things like, uh, for example, well, you know, the mother um, is, is addicted, there's, or the father is addicted, so she's on the street or he's on the street. Uh, there's a number of factors that you look into that determine who is the best person 
that you might be able to give the child to, and it would be in the best interest of the child to give it to that particular person. Um, if, you know, um, in, in this case, it's not a middle class, but it's two prostitutes. They are from the same class. Uh, and also, you would look at things like corroborating evidence. In the story, there's no, nobody knows really whose child it is. There's nobody outside person that's able to corroborate, no, it's that mother's child. You don't have that. You have people that it's similar circumstances. So there's no rules here that you can apply. And so that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about today. The fork in the road where there's no clear rules. And um, the reality is we need competent advice quickly. Otherwise, things could explode really badly. And we, what do we need? If you look at uh, the Bible, um, when people looked for wisdom, they went to the king. And so what we need is a king, a wise king. You need to get to the core of the issue, the true heart's intent of these women. We need wisdom when the rules don't help, when it doesn't tell us what the fork in the road is, or what the fork to take us in the road would, would present to us at the end of the day. When a pastor, for example, uh, and I think men can testify to this, is confronted with the question whether we should leave or stay with our spouse that has been unfaithful, sometimes many times, or abusive, multiple times, what can the pastor say? Well, the person has the right to stay or to leave. They have that right. The rules don't help. The Bible doesn't say you have to stay or leave. But you may also there is no right answer. Of course, there's a right answer. There's a right answer and a foolish answer. You cannot rely on the rules. You're going to have to rely on your ability to come up with a competent answer with regard to the realities of life. Now, I have done probably about years ago, probably about 300 residential school uh, hearings where I've listened to um, extremely serious abuses. Um, and it was tough to listen to that for a number of years. Uh, now, how do the pastor answer the person who has been abused by a teacher, a supervisor, a priest, or a pastor? How do a person get unstuck from severe trauma? When they feel they lack the capacity to confront or articulate what they have been through, there are options in the road how to deal with it. The rules are not clear. But there is a wise and a foolish way to deal with the trauma. We can numb the pain of rejection, abuse, or trauma by, you know, and I've seen that so many times in the people that I've had the hearings with. Uh, they started, you know, to drink, to use drugs. Some people just work. They work 16, 18 hours a day to try to forget what has happened to them. Um, just locking myself away from the world is another option. There's so many things that people do to numb the pain. Or through my decisions, I can convert the trauma into a life-changing response. A wise response to trauma could transform the person from a helpless victim to a life-changing or enhancing survivor. There is no clear rules, but the decision we make is the difference between life and death, a life void of meaning and purpose, and on the other side, an abundant life, a purposeful life. Um, so, there's all kinds of ways we can deal with this trauma. You know, do I share my story and, and start to work through the pain and using my story to serve others and strengthen others, create a safe environment for others who has gone through the same thing? So although there's no clear rules, the one is death, the one is life. And interesting enough, if I look at the book of Proverbs, um, 
there's no real rules that I, you know, I've read Proverbs quite extensively because I do need wisdom sometimes. And, and you know, there's no clear rules. Interesting enough, I came across, uh, and I hope I have it right, it's Proverbs 26, verse 4 and 5. I didn't, uh, I think I gave it to the people upstairs, but I didn't, I don't have it really available right now. But it, it tells us, do not answer a fool according to his folly. Do we have it? No. But, uh, you know, just a few verses later on, it says that answer a fool according to his folly. <laughs> um, so it seems to be contradicting. So no one would blame you if you ask which is which. Should I get into discussion with an unreasonable person or should I just walk away? The answer of Proverbs is it may be a disaster not to listen. But on the other hand, sometimes if you do walk away, that may be a disaster. So you cannot rely on the rules, but you have to rely on your competence with regards to the realities of life. Now, sometimes you wish, I'm not sure, I'm sure it hasn't really happened to you also, that you've said something and you think, why did I say that? I shouldn't have said that. Wish I can take those words back. And when it comes to words and things like that, again, when there's no specific rules and you say things you shouldn't have because you thought, ah, that's wise to say that, but then later on this guy, it wasn't that great. There's three, uh, three little practical things that I can, can give you today. And since one, one of the things that I've learned is, um, is number one, look, is, is what you said, is it honest, number one? Number two, is it fair? And is it well-intentioned is the third one. And sometimes, you know, uh, my wife knows the story many years ago. Um, I ran into a situation where I was, uh, we wanted to uh, move to a new house. We discovered a, 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 a builder that was building a house and we thought, oh, that might be a good place. And so I talked to the builder and I said, you know, there's a few things that bothers me about the house. Uh, one of the things is in the basement, I would like this and this way. And so he went ahead and he actually made the changes, although there was no contract and assumed, and assumption is always not a good thing, but assumed that I am going to buy the house. And so we decided to buy another house. And so. Then the builder got upset, came to me and says, you need to pay for the things that I have done in the basement. And so uh, it was a situation where at the time, um, one of the people, he, he was dating a, a person that Nolene knew very well. And so I, there was that moment when the spirit said to me, Philip, be careful what you say now. I didn't listen. <laughs> and um, I, uh, he insisted on the money, and so at the end of the day, uh, I did pay half, although I think contractually I wasn't obligated to do that, but just for the sake of, because my wife said, Philip, just do it. <laughs> and, um, but I did have to put in some little knife in there. I. <laughs> I said, well, I don't think you acted honorably here, so, or something to that extent. And that few words had an impact for many years, until not too, uh, too long ago, a few years ago, that friendship, again, became established. But for many years, just because of those few words that I said at that very moment, things were very sour, and there was no need for it. I could have dealt with it very, he was quite happy with taking some money and I was happy to also, you know, just for the sake of the friendship, but I didn't need to say those words. So the question is, are you saying the words to hurt the person or you're saying sincerely and trying to be helpful? Um, so, as I've mentioned, in the Bible, people went to the kings for wisdom. What authority do you and me go to when you are seeking wisdom? 
Whatever the authority you are appealing to for wisdom, that is going to be your source of wisdom. That is going to be your king. Is it going to, it, it's going to be quite clear, even if we don't think which king you are getting your wisdom from. Your Lord, whatever that is, is the beginning of wisdom. But what or who is your Lord? The Bible teaches us that if anything other than Jesus is the Lord and the true king of your life, if the source of your decisions is anything other than him and his wisdom, your life is operating on foolishness. The Hebrew word most often used in the province for, for wisdom is interesting enough, is training, discipline, and coming to authority. And as, as an ex-soldier myself, you, some of you may know that I was, many years ago I was a soldier, retired as a major in the military actually. Um, you don't like the authority in the beginning. <laughs> and we had to be disciplined. I had to do basic training for three months and then another year of training. And it all was about submitting to authority. And there was a very good reason, because when the bullets start flying, if you don't listen, you're going to make unwise decisions. So, um, ultimately, if your king is a purple or orange or a blue king, it's going to show. But why submit to him as the source of our wisdom? think because no one else has become God manifest in the flesh. No one else knows and has experienced every feeling we have experienced or could, could ever experience. God became the weakest thing in his own creation, a baby. He experienced joy, he experienced pleasure, excruciating pain on the cross, disappointment, abuse, trauma, sadness, loss, betrayal, all these things he experienced for us so that we can also, in him, when we are faced with those same things, be able to make the decisions that he would have made in that same situation. If I marry my wife and then don't spend time with her, don't listen to her, would I get to know her better? No. If I, if I do things that upset her intentionally, continue to act selfishly and hurtful, even after she's told me to stop, do I truly love her? No. So the question is also to us and to me is, do I spend time with God? Are we intent on listening to his voice? Are we reading his word? Are we praying without ceasing and asking him to guide us in the smallest of small decisions? Not the, necessarily the big ones. Megan has talked so many times about praying without ceasing and just allowing God to get into that vehicle and ask him consistently in every little choice you make, every little decision, every little feeling, God, are you with me? What do you think of this? Just talk with him. He's your friend. Yes, he's your king, but he's also your friend. Now, interesting enough, I think I've talked about the different kings. And I have to be careful sometimes myself. You know, what king am I listening to? Are we appealing to the king of money? So when we make a decision with respect to, for example, a job, um, you know, we know what is our strengths. We know the things that would, would give us a sense of belonging and purpose and satisfaction. And sometimes we are in the, at, on the fork and we say, the one job, wait a minute, there's uh, 80,000, 60, whatever the case may be, $1,000 job here, but this year, one for 40,000, I don't know. That one is actually, I would really enjoy that. I think that's what God 
wants me to do, but you know, I think I should choose this other one because it pays much better. What's the wise decision there? <laughs> it's tough. Um, the rules is not helpful. But you made a choice to follow, if you make a choice to follow the master, and if your master is money, you will become unhappy, less productive, and actually on the long run, probably have lots of money problems, although the one pays more than the other. So if money is your lord, you will start doing unethical things, you will cheat on your taxes, not paying your workers what you should. These things on the long run could destroy you financially. You will start taking gambles. Let's look at parenting, for example. In your parenting decisions, if your money is your master, you will start pushing your children to do things that is not in line with their strengths and purpose, but things that would make you happy. And that would ruin them, but it also would ruin you eventually. But, you know, but what about maybe, you know, excellence, um, status, recognition? The one job, uh, you know, it's not that great a status job. Uh, I feel, you know, that's where my strengths lie, but this other one, I'll be the CEO or the manager. No, I'm going to take that one because that's going to make me feel and it's going to like, make me look good at church. <laughs> um, and again, I think the same consequences you are facing there. Um, when you're confronted with that fork in the road, you're going to find eventually that that status is not going to satisfy you. You're going to start making decisions based on your own selfish desires, and, you, and it's going to cause financial ruin at the end of the day. A difficult one to talk about is also, obviously, is, the, is something we sometimes do as well, and I'm talking on my, about myself, is, you know, is, is, the, is the motivation in any way connected to pleasure? I just want to do this now, and I'll think about the consequences later. In the broader spectrum, what our youth, youth is facing a lot is, is pleasure. You know, is that your king? Is it all about short-term gratification? The here and the now, getting involved in intimate sexual relationship when we should not. When pleasure is our source of wisdom, intimacy, including sexual intimacy, has no meaning. It does not convey a message of everything of me, for everything of you, for always. It conveys a different message. I don't love you, with all your shortcomings and your sickness and, and sickness and in health for who you are, but what you can give to me for my own selfish desires. We all know the outcome of such a message, emotional hurt, brokenness, sense of unfulfillment, and a breakdown in mental health and physical health many, many times in families. So when you get to that fork in the road, there's consequences, and I implore you to see God's wisdom during those times. And it's not always easy because the lights on the other end of the fork sometimes is very shiny. Oh, I want to go there. <laughs> but take a moment and ask the Spirit, is this truly where I should be going? Solomon was wise. He didn't just look at the two women and made a guess. He figured out a way to have the two women reveal their source of wisdom, the foundations of their decision-making what their yoke is. What is the yoke for? What is the true yoke? What is the heart of it? He takes out the sword. He doesn't intend to kill the child. He was after the response, the true heart of that woman. He doesn't say, wait a minute, after she said, he actually just, he's not surprised at all by the response. The first woman shows that motherhood is, is more important than the child. And again, for her, what is her king? Is motherhood. I want to be a mother. She shows that she is unhappy with her rival being a mother and that she is quite happy to see the child killed. 
She does not care about the child. It is about motherhood, being a parent. And it's not about the child. If parenthood is the most important thing in your life, you don't really care about the children. If work or success is the most thing in your life, you don't really care a lot about the work. You care about yourself. So if your yoke, your source, is anything other than Jesus, the decision will always lead to foolishness. You will lose the very thing you want. Um, but why? If you have come to realize you have a purpose, that you belong, that you love, that is important. But we still need direction. When there is no rules and when you need to know where you're going, what do you need? You need a map. You just don't need any map. You need Google Maps. <laughs> you know, I've, I've experienced over the last few months, I'm not sure why, about maps. Uh, the one was in Toronto, where uh, I attended the Christian Eagle Fellowship Conference about two weeks ago. Uh, the, the gentleman decided that, uh, that I was driving with He's going to try to not use Google Maps, but use his map on his vehicle that has been installed many years ago. Uh, mistake. Uh, we ran into all kinds of traffic, and we took, say, maybe a half an hour, hour longer than we should have. Um, and interesting enough, just about not long ago, about a week or so, we were in Saskatoon. And the same thing with me and my wife. But at that time, we did actually use Google Maps. I learned my lesson. And um, it took us, we were on our way to a particular place, but it took us around Saskatoon. And we later discovered that uh, there was a, there's a construction on Idlewhite. So it's a good thing we, we followed Google Maps. But, and uh, why I mentioned that is I think, you know, Jesus knows what's going to happen. He knows us intimately. He knows if there's a traffic jam up ahead. If you are going to use anything but Google Maps, if you're gonna, your king is going to be anybody but Jesus, you're going to run into issues. And you're not just going to get into a traffic jam. You may get into a jungle. There's going to be lions. There's going to be a lot of issues that you're going to have to deal with unnecessarily, unless you have Google Maps, unless your king is Jesus. Um, and very importantly, you know, he's always with you. Psalm uh, 145 verse 18 says that the Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in He's more than a source of wisdom. He is wisdom. When we submit to his counsel and direction, we will face fulfillment, success, pleasure, heartache, and pain. But above all else, we will also be able to experience joy because he is with us. We are moving in his perfect will when we truly call upon him. He knows the road ahead. He knows the pitfalls. He has very good reasons to direct you on this path that you are on. He wants what is best for you. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declare the Lord. Oh, thank you. There we go. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. If you submit to his yoke, you will find it easy. And that is his burden. It is a light burden. Trusting him, whatever happens in the trenches of the real life. Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
The story of Solomon and the two women reveals the difference between the world's wisdom and godly wisdom. It reveals the secret of wisdom. That is, if you grab onto something for purely selfish reason, you will lose it. Godly wisdom is to give up the right to yourself, your self-interests, and thereby she gained what she thought she had lost. This woman thought she lost her child, but she gained it back. So the essence of true wisdom is first down before we go up. If you want to gain life, you first need to lose it. If you want real power, you need to be submitting first to the one who became weak as a baby, the weakest thing we can imagine in this world. And he gave his life to us so that we can know and experience an abundant and fulfilling life. In the midst of all the challenges we're going to face in this life, midst of the joys, the pain, the triumphs, what real life has to offer. So real freedom is to serve first. The way to get rich, the kind of riches you cannot lose, is to give it away. The woman gave all her hope and joy away so her child could have it. She not only got her motherhood back, but she got it back safe and purified. If the other woman got what she wanted, she would have been a tyranny. And the child would have experienced that tyranny and would have been part of that. We see the same thing with Abram, and we read it about Esther as well. But there was a given away. I was willing to give my life. If Esther said, well, if I get killed, I get killed. Abram didn't have in the back of his mind, I'm going to trick God. I'm, I'm going to take him up there, but you know, I don't really mean... He truly meant giving it all away. So in order to gain everything, we need to give everything. Whatever we try to grab onto, we will lose. So even Solomon gave up his royal elevated image. Do you think, you know, it's kind of odd when I read this passage, that you would think a king, why would he humble himself, if I can call it humble, to go and listen to two prostitutes and their issues. But he was willing, as a king, to humble himself and listen to these two people's uh, plea. What was the end result of that? He became even more um, lifted up in the sense that people were in awe. The end of that passage says that the nation was in awe by his wisdom. But first, he humbled himself. So I want, you, I want to encourage you to invite the one true King Jesus to be your constant travel companion. He is wisdom itself. Saturate yourself with his word. Make sure you don't subject yourself to false rulers. And then, just relax. He will make the decision for you. It's not that you... This crisis, I have to make the decision. If you really saturate yourself on a daily basis with his word, pray, ask, he will give you the answer. It's as easy as that. You can really relax. Even if you use or decide to use your instincts, And uh, not use Google Maps. God is, is graceful. He will forgive you. And it's not the end of the world. He can use if, if the enemy, what the enemy means for bad, he can use for good. You know, don't go into depression if you make the lo a bad decision. But come back. Go back into the Word. Invite him back as your travel companion. And he will guide you. If you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. You can come to Him at any time for wisdom. Wisdom is not a set of rules. It's a person. If you submit to Him, He will be wise for you. The cross may be foolishness to the world, but it is the wisdom of God. 
Before you choose and decide anything that requires wisdom, first ask his guidance and wisdom at every fork in the road. I choose wisdom. Will you choose it too? Choose wisdom. Choose Jesus. And I guarantee you, you will be called blessed beyond measure. Thank you very much. <clears throat>